Welcome to Tech Empire. I'm your host, Michael Quet. Today, I'm excited to have on the show Mark Sullivan. Mark is a senior writer at the news media outlet, Fast Company, and he's joining me to discuss the metaverse. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, so today we're going to be digging into the question, what is going on with this thing called the metaverse? And Mark is going to explain to us what it is, how it might look in in the future, and we're going to cover questions that everybody is asking right now, such as how will companies make money? What about advertising? Is this hype? Um, Could this be a privacy and misinformation hellscape? And if we get a chance, maybe even touch on the topic of uh, digital colonialism, something that is a theme in the show. So Tech Empire is part of the Yale Podcast Network and can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. On Twitter, visit Tech Empire Cast. My Twitter account is Michael underscore Quet, K-W-E-T, and Mark's account is The Sullivan. All right, so let's just start off with the, the basic question, Mark. Um, what is the metaverse? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, you know, and I think um, there's a couple of different ways to think about it. And in my mind, it's kind of these definitions are kind of driven by the technology that we'll use to um, access this space. And, you know, if you look at it through sort of the lens of VR goggles, which most of us have seen, um, you might see this kind of digital world that lives inside these these goggles. And, um, you know, most people think that it's sort of this um, uh, consensual uh, hallucination, as uh, as uh, William Gibson put it. Um, uh, not exactly a hallucination, but it's a it's a world that we all take part in, and it's a big world. It's an inclusive world um, where people can work, play, socialize, and probably a million other things that we haven't thought of yet. Within the context of VR, um, it's a closed world where you know the real world is is not really involved. It's sort of a, a place where Um, You can uh, sort of jack in and um, escape the real world and you can, um, you know, go off to some of these fantastical places or places that are based very closely on the real world as some of this stuff. We saw the beginnings of uh, a tech company imagining this stuff uh, uh, in Facebook's presentation yesterday. that's less interesting to me um, when you start. And just talking- before, just before you go on, so VR is um, just for the audience, um, virtual reality, and so basically, you're saying going into basically like a almost like a video game world with vir- virtual reality that you can navigate around. That's the kind of VR component. Am I correct in right. saying that? Yeah, and okay. uh, you know that's just kind of one way into this, and the difference between VR and what we call augmented reality um, and, and what these big tech companies are really working toward right now is 
developing augmented reality glasses. And this is a really different experience than VR because you know, the, the whole point of the, these glasses, which have you know, very uh, high-tech lenses in them, and you can see the real world through these lenses, the whole point of these glasses is to generate compelling digital graphics, which are sort of interspersed with the real world around us. I mean, one example is the Pokemon Go game, which was accessed through the screens of smartphones. But, you know, you could look through there and see a Pokemon hiding behind a bush in the real world. And this is very interesting. This is not a very new idea, really. But the, the idea is to sort of, uh, instead of escaping the real world, sort of, uh, you know, putting content in and around the real world in front of us so that the physical world and the digital world are sort of merged, if that makes sense. Yeah, so um, I've seen um, obviously all sorts of little videos online and uh, basically at that point you're looking through these glasses and uh, if the glasses are projecting basically uh, so, that, so that you see stuff pop up kind of like some of the black mirror episodes that have been done or um, things that we've seen in, in science fiction and right. So that's the aug augmented part of the augmented reality. And um, yeah, so you wrote an interesting article on this called inside Facebook's race to build super smart AR glasses that you'll actually want to wear. Um, so let's let's talk about what you found. Um, you know, kind of what are the the how do these things work? What are the, what are the dynamics of them? Um, you know, what's going on in this space? Well, this space has a lot of challenges. Uh, you know, they they've got some. You know, making these glasses is really hard. It's a lot harder than making the VR goggles, um, because. You know, projecting imagery in front of my eyes is, you know, that's something that's, you know, that that's doable. But projecting imagery that looks like it's integrated with the real world around me, that's that's harder. There are some there are some real technical challenges with that. Um, you know, there's the whole challenge of, um, you know, if I put on my AR glasses and see a digital object in Golden Gate Park. And I want to, the next time I come back to this place, I wanna see the same digital object there because that's part of the world. You know, a lot of these companies are, um, including Niantic, which developed Pokemon Go, is they're, they're trying to develop this sort of AR map of the world so that, you know, you have to have a map where you can say this is where this digital object lives and it'll always be there. And that's a that's a pretty big uh, technical challenge. But back to your question, um, the ideal is that, you know, we would wake up in the morning, you know, and, and put on a pair of glasses that, you know, doesn't look so different than these. Um, and you know we would 
what you might see at the beginning of the day is some kind of an interface, you know, that's, a, you know, uh, if you went into the kitchen, you know, you'd see contextual information that you might want to see when you're in, in the kitchen, you, you know, you might, uh, if, if you are like me, it's when I get to the kitchen that I start thinking about me becoming aware of the news of the day, you know, so you know, and I, I might want to start becoming aware of the, the flight that I've got to take this afternoon or the weather. And, you know, you could you could start seeing those bits of information kind of come floating into the interface when you want them to be there or when when you need them. And I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of stop there. That's that's kind of the, the first part of the, the vision of it. Um, but there's a lot of experiences, again, probably many we haven't thought of yet that, you know, um, that are, are going to be developed around this hardware. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we're looking right now at some of the more technical components of it. Um, but obviously, there's a lot more interesting questions as well. But before we get to those, um, one of the technical things that you mentioned was something I hadn't heard of. So if I'm wearing these glasses, right? Um I need to be able to interact with them. So you could do voice commands. So the glasses have microphones in them so they can pick up uh, sound. Uh, they also have cameras in them so they can look around the world and they can look at your eyes and where you're looking. <laughs> and um, they, you also mentioned something called electromyography. Um, that's something that I thought was interesting. It reminded me of, of stuff Facebook was actually talking about a few years back with your brain. Um, so what's the scoop with electromyography? Well, you're right. It's one of the challenges of developing these AR glasses is, you know, communicating with them and telling them what, what we want to do. Um, um, one of the ways that, uh, you know, they've been talking about doing it is, um, hopefully we're going to use our hands, you know, to like, when we see in front of us digital content projected in space, like we, you know, we might, uh, we might see a video show up in front of us, you know, there's no TV there. It's just like the, the lenses in our head, our glasses are um, uh, projecting a, 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 some form of entertainment and you might want to reach up and scrub through it, you know, or stop it or pause it. And there's a couple of ways of, of doing this. I mean, there are um, like uh, on the HoloLens but that Microsoft made, there's cameras on the front that watch our hands, you know, and that's how they detect what we're doing. Another way of doing that is um, that's probably more precise and fast is they're, they've developed a a technology that puts a bracelet around the wrist. This is Facebook developing this with a, a company that uh, they acquired. I forget the name of the company right now, but um, this wristband um, intercepts uh, electrical signals running uh, along the nerves that from the brain down to the hand. You know, the brain is saying, make a fist. Uh, the brain is saying tap on this item that the eyes are seeing. Um, but what's happening is uh, this bracelet is interrupting those signals and interpreting those signals. And this is forming a new input uh, for these things that doesn't require me to 
say anything or tap the side of the glasses or anything like that. I'm just kind of going bip, you know, and this bracelet is catching those electrical signals um, and interpreting them. And there's an interface that, you know, interprets that movement um, into zeros and ones that can be fed into the operating system. Right. And then, and then Facebook makes sure to emphasize that it's not reading your brain per se, but that it's generating a signal that it can be, that can be detected. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's, it's interesting, I guess you could say. Um, so, so have you had a chance to actually, um, before I ask the politics questions, have you had a chance to actually try um, I mean, because I know, for example, I, I can tell you, I, I tried virtu- the best virtual reality um, as a kind of um, science experiment, like uh, bringing in people to help out at Yale. And I mean, I, I have to say that I was absolutely blown away by how sophisticated it was. It was like, um, you know, the, the, the visuals were as good as like being in Toy Story or whatever, right? And And what was amazing about it was um, it was really 3D. So they started off with this like sculpture thing mm-hmm. and you can move your head all around it and you can use the remote to make stuff. And it was just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like it was just like, it's mind blowing that that humans could do something that is that like creative and, and amazing. Um, but then there's the fact that you got to wear this device on your face, right? And, uh, and it's being also for me personally, it's beaming light into your eyes, right? And it's coming out of that device from an inch away from it, which also kind of puts me on edge because, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to mess my eyes up and be a guinea pig for, you know, what this does to people if they wear it a lot. So I always felt like virtual reality, um, seems very limited to me. I just don't envision it being something that's going to catch on and be on a niche market. Maybe I'm wrong. But augmented reality never had a chance to try. I think you did a, um, a, an article on hologram representation, um, right? So have you been able to, to try you know, the, the, you know, some of the state of the art that's out there with um, AR? Yes, I have. I think I've tried most things. Um, I Magic Leap was one of the first companies that uh, tried to develop these things. And um, I was able to spend some pretty good time with their Magic Leap One goggles. Um, there was a lot of hype around that company, but, and uh, yeah, it, it was, it was pretty Good. I mean, I remember, <laughs> you know, sort of looking around the room and then all of a sudden this whale kind of swims through the room and uh, talk about hallucinatory, <laughs> but uh, the quality, like the, the, the graphic quality of this whale was, I'm not going to say it was great, but it was pretty damn good. And it surprises the mind. There's this, uh, there's this kind of this dazzle about it that, just because it's just brand new technology and just not something you uh, would expect. So I, you know, part of the reason that I'm so interested in this is because I do believe that uh, it's very cool technology. And I I do believe that 
we'll probably get to some form of this thing um, someday. And I do think that it's it could unlock a lot of creativity in, in developers. You know, um, you know, like I keep saying, you know, the the use cases and applications for this technology are yet to be discovered. We don't know. You know, like there's, you know, there might be. I was surprised by TikTok. You know, and you know that kind of like kind of hit me out of the blue, and like the the algorithm they use and. Um, you know, there's going to be things like that that happen in augmented reality or, or mixed reality as, as well. Um, and that's probably going to be pretty exciting. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the, I think the graphics part of this uh, is, is coming along. I've, I've seen some fairly impressive things. I've seen the HoloLens, the, the, the hologram thing you're talking about is something that Cisco is working on uh, and they're using the Microsoft technology, as well as Magic Leap uh, headsets. And, um, you know, they're trying to, um, I mean, I, I sat at this table right here and uh, I, I looked across and saw a fairly believable hologram of some, the, the Cisco engineer that I was talking to. And so things like that make, uh, make me hopeful. Um, and I, I do think, uh, a lot of this is possible. It, you know, that experience came with a caveat because that hologram image that I was looking at of him was generated by a camera array that he had at his place and I didn't have one here. So he wasn't looking at a realistic hologram of me. Um, so it's cool to be, I mean, the, this is not, a, these aren't even new ideas. You know, people have been talking about this for quite a few years now. Um, I think part of the reason for the frustration with Magic Leap is they came out and started capturing people's imagination with these ideas years and years and years and years before they could deliver it as a consumer product. Yeah. And I mean, I did research into uh, video analytics and the same thing happened really around 2008-ish. There was a lot of hype around it, but the tech wasn't ready yet. But then they, they advanced the state of the art. And now it really it really does do a lot. A lot. Um, so let's let's jump back to the metaverse. Um, so we're talking about um, you know what the, these things can do, but um, there's some interesting things about this. So we know obviously that Facebook is controversial for many reasons. Um, you know, big tech in general has generated a, a lot of um, criticism. And um, they're the ones who are, are presiding over the development of these technologies. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things you discuss about augmented reality is that um, they are doing things that require a lot of data. You could call it surveillance if you want, depending on how you want to uh, phrase it. And um, it requires a lot of data to, to pull this out mapping so you were talking about mapping so if we're going to be using this technology and you're going to be walking around it needs to recognize objects locations um, and things like that and it's got to know that it's there so now we're talking about mapping out personal spaces mapping out my you know personal house my backyard right all this kind of stuff and in addition to that um you have things um, like a personal dis digital assistant. So one of the premises of what these augmented reality glasses could do 
um, is it could make recommendations or it can display information for you. It could be your personal assistant, right? But some of the things in some of these articles, um, episodic memory, forecasting, and, and things like that. Um, and um, so there are definitely um, some issues with that. How do you see um, this? I mean, first of all, could this play out in a way that's privacy respecting at all? I mean, part of me says, I don't even see how this could work that in a way that's privacy respecting. And second of all, um, are what are the companies, you talked to Facebook and some others, what are they doing to um, actually sufficiently address this these issues? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, I think one of the things that Facebook is doing is starting to talk loudly and often about these issues um, years and years before they're actually going to try to introduce something. Um, that's the great irony of Facebook being at the center of this as they positioned themselves yesterday is their privacy record sucks. They've proven over and over that they, you know, they, they're much more interested in, in growing as a growing membership and pleasing advertisers than they are in protecting privacy. So when you start thinking about this technology and what it actually means uh, to wear um, um, a pair of these glasses around every day, I mean, you started talking there about some pretty concerning use cases where I'm walking around my own house. What about when I'm out on the street and I encounter 20 strangers in the space of one minute? What are their rights, you know? Right. Um, what about, uh, you know, um, this is sort of a, an aside. I mean, it, what about when we're in the metaverse and, you know, we're already starting to talk about using cryptocurrency to buy digital land and digital objects. You know, what, uh, how, are, how are we gonna do private or, uh, um, you know, ownership rights and property rights and things like that. Um, so, there's all these legal issues. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, like we're going to see some very interesting lawsuits in, in the future and not only privacy lawsuits, but, uh, you know, we're going to be seeing digital land disputes. I mean, where are those precedents? You know, that all that work is going to need to be done. But I think we are going to see cases like that. So you're right. Um, it's just I just, uh, the privacy part of this is, you know, I, I can't really comprehend an answer to it. I, I think what Facebook is saying right now is that we pledge to, to not do anything or build anything that's going to surprise anybody. And, uh, but I just want to stress something that I, I don't think I've said before. It's, when you think about um, personal technology, um, you know, you, you think about, uh, we have our smartphones, which are very personal devices that can learn a lot about us. And then we have smartwatches. Now they're on our body, you know, AirPods in our ears for long periods of time. Um, our technology is getting closer and closer to us. Uh, and pretty soon it's going to cover our eyes. 
And I don't know if people realize the the how many sensors are on these things. I mean, you kind of touched on this, but you know, there's cameras looking forward. There's cameras watching what our eyes are looking at. Um, you know, there's biometrics that, uh, you know, it might be analyzing our heart rate. I, I'm not even sure what's possible from this form factor, but, you know, the, the watch is already listening to our heart. And uh, if we're wearing a combination of some sort of a wrist device, perhaps one that interprets those electrical signals, that's getting pretty damn close, you know. Now it's listening to the electrical signals that are coming from my brain. And I think that's what's at root of this idea. Of, that's why Facebook came out and said, no, we're not reading your mind. But what is happening is they're getting closer and closer. The technology is getting closer and closer. And is it, as, as it gets closer, it knows more. And the privacy risk goes up and up. Yeah. And I mean, to me, like you said, um, if everybody is wearing something with cameras on their face, peering out at everybody all the time, I just don't see how you're now living in like a pretty much a fully filmed society. Um, and to me, that's, that's, that's a, that could be just a, you know, from a, should we do this or not standpoint, even if it was technologically possible. And even if it was done by trustworthy entities, mm -hmm. um, it's still a question of like, I mean, me, me personally, I would say, no, I'm not, I'm actually not comfortable in a society with ubiquitous camera filming like that's just it i mean that's my personal take on that um so there's there's so much going on here i want to make sure we get to um there's a question of hype and distraction but let's put that off you know for a second because i'm also a little bit skeptical this will ever ever actually really occur but you know i want to and i want to get your thoughts on that um but and i, I do want to get your thoughts on on facebook's particular role here um, and talk a little bit about that. But before we get to those, um, this issue of what the metaverse is, is still not fully defined, right? So we can picture a singular world, like you're in the Legend of Zelda or Mario, right? That image of like being inside a video game, or you're um, in a singular outside world with augmented reality, you go, you're in your bedroom. Now you're walking down the street, you're, you're in public and everybody has the augmented reality on is everybody, buddy going to be seeing the same exact thing. Right. And when you think about it, you could have different options here. You could have a, like a Wikipedia oriented augmented reality. That's telling you fun facts about the places you're around you could have a different service provider giving you different images and, and different things. Mm -hmm. um, so the question, two questions that have been raised um, are interoperability. So nobody wants to see if this ever did become a thing. Um, nobody would want to see one company in full control. So it's their universe, basically. So part of the premise of the metaverse is it can interoperate, but then you have a continuity question. Are we all sharing the same experience? You know, how do we even interact across these things? Um, so what is your take on that? Is that um, an accurate way of framing it? And, um, you know, how do you, how do you see that, that question? Yeah, you're, you're raising some, some questions that, uh, 
yeah, I, I certainly don't know the answer to, but I, I do think we need to start thinking about these things. I mean, you know, if, if I'm wearing Apple AR glasses and you're wearing Facebook AR glasses, um, <laughs> you know, judging by history, yeah, we're going to be seeing some very different things. But, you know, it seems that there's got to be limits to that. I mean, you know, Facebook's version of it um, can't uh, point to the Statue of Liberty and tell me it's the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, you know, there could be labeling things or, you know, it, it, it could be very different experiences. I mean, what everybody's talking about right now is that we should move towards this sort of standards-based uh, ideal that uh, we used when we developed the internet where, um, you know, there, there will be, you know, a standards where, you know, there will be predictable performance when you go to certain places, um, I suppose, with, within the metaverse, you, you might say. Uh, in the internet age, we'd say that there are certain things about the internet that, that ought to be predictable. There should be standards of trust, um, you know. Um, but I do think that these are... Um, investor-driven, for-profit companies. And I do think that, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think that they're altruistic. I, I think they are already thinking about ways to monetize this. They're very much hoping that, um, that advertisers and brands will get interested in this, and they are. Um, and that might be a way to monetize it. So, you know, and this, you become, you start getting into this idea of a walled garden, which is what we saw from Facebook yesterday. Everything they presented was within Facebook's walls. And that's really not the idea that most people have about the inner or the metaverse. Um, you know, they, uh, their policy guy yesterday, uh, <laughs> Clegg said that, we're not so much building the metaverse as we're building for the metaverse, but there was no evidence of that in their presentation. Uh, there were no partners that came out, you know, there were no people from standards bodies talking about how, you know, all these tech companies are going to play by the same rules and do this together so that it can be a wider experience and a safer experience for users. There was nothing about that. And uh, I'll tell you that, you know, I'm a Facebook critic. I, I've, I've followed the company since way back. I've seen how they've handled privacy, um, you know, and I do believe that they're exactly the wrong company to be doing this kind of stuff, given some of the things that we've talked about today about how intrusive this technology could end up being and how well it could target information at people and I just think the potential for harm uh, in the wrong hands here is very great. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, um, you know, there is that question even deeper, right, that you brought up. These companies are altruistic. They're seeking profits and market share. Um, even a company like Apple, I mean, if you look closely, you can find a ton of stuff about their privacy, you know, misdeeds. And including some of the work I did personally 
um, a few years back on hidden app trackers in your apps in your um, you know Play Store. I, I, I published a piece at, at the Times that um, detailed they developed a protocol for Bluetooth tra- in-person tracking that advertisers that they knew very well advertisers w- would use, and they advertised for that purpose. Like you're in a department store and you're near a Bluetooth beacon, and you know now you can do this as an advertiser in the Apple website, right? So like. While they're preaching privacy, they're also doing those things. So, you know, to me, um, a heavy dose of skepticism across the board, you know, is in order. Um, obviously, Facebook has a wicked record, too, of course. Um, let's talk a little bit about their um, business um, agenda here. So Facebook um, acquired Oculus and there's an operating system. And then there's commentary about how um you know, they don't want to be dependent on Google and Apple for their app stores and operating systems. Is there uh, potentially a power play here for Facebook to um, have a kind of stack and um, basically have um, a bunch of components that are working together that are owned by Facebook that be- that everybody's dependent on? Yeah, I you know, I've uh, been thinking about this today and uh, what they did yesterday and what they're doing is, is this is pretty aggressive stuff. This is, um, this smacks of a, a kind of, you call it colonialism, I call it a digital land grab. You know, it's just, and it works on a, on a, on a few different levels. I, I think, you know, changing their name to Meta was, really symbolic. Facebook is trying to associate its company name with metaverse and the concept of metaverse. I think what their idea is that is that you know they will own uh, some of these technologies, perhaps you know write the standards that that people will will play by when they're in the metaverse and the metaverse will <laughs> you know become, uh, sort of synonymous with, I mean, they're thinking that it's going to be, um, we've all seen how, how their social network is ubiquitous and it, it's tentacles stretch out to different websites and it knows what's going on everywhere. I think they're probably thinking about the metaverse or something like that, that they're going to kind of provide the water that everybody is swimming in. And um, that's, you know, that's, that's disturbing. And it, that that's at a technical level. I mean, you know, it's, I guess, back to the, the name change, I think pe- they want people to associate um, their, their brand with this new pl- space. And so uh, it's, I, I think it's a really aggressive, an aggressive move on their part. And um, yeah, they don't, they, they're resentful. Zuckerberg's resentful that he was not able to own a smartphone. He said this. He wanted uh, to be in, to have a piece of hardware to sort of mediate this experience of a social world for people. And this is his chance. He's this is his chance. He's going wants to own AR glasses and VR glasses and own the hardware and own the app store and own the ecosystem. That's the holy grail for him. And um, 
you know, I think if you look at the, the, the actions and announcements of this company through that lens, I think a lot of this makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a ways off too. And obviously there's this distraction element, um, um, as part of this, um, so they have some, there's something called Facebook reality labs. You've written about how, uh, Facebook has what 10,000 people that they assigned to work on this project. Um, did this, you know, part of me sits here and says, this is complete and utter hype. And it sounds a lot like Google Glass and, you know, some of the things that we, you know, even you could say fine cars, right? Like some of the things, even though they have like little things that, that are beyond, it's not quite fair to say fine cars, but like um, they do some amazing things with this technology if you've seen it. But at the same time, the idea of getting like a mass majority to be wearing this stuff all the time and interacting with it, work, education, play, you know, walking around life. Um, to me, still seems far-fetched. Um, but at the same time, they did change the name of their company. I, you can say that's a distraction thing. And what's the loss? You call it meta now, it kind of sounds cool. Um, but they're, they're investing money in it. Um, but then I'm seeing sums of like $50 million. So, I mean, if we look at investment as a, as a commitment to belief in what this, you know, how much fruit this thing is really going to bear in the future. Um, you know, so one, how much money do you see going into this from Facebook and how much commitment, you know, from Facebook and from maybe some others like Microsoft, but, but two, um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, Facebook reality labs and, and, you know, what Facebook is actually committing in terms of the resources, uh, you know, to this initiative? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things you're getting at with your question is, I mean, there was a lot of people saying that this is a distraction. Uh, their announcement yesterday could have worked on that level, but I, I think there's far more to it than that. <laughs> I think they're serious uh, about this. I think this is real money being spent on R&D. They, the company is rich. They can, you know, they can hire the talent needed to do this. Um, you, you saw with their Libra effort in, in cryptocurrency that they're, they're very ambitious and they're willing to take on these big things and drop a lot of money into them. And that's why I'm concerned. Um, I'm concerned about the mindshare issue of you know, co-opting part of the name of the metaverse and, and getting people thinking that, well, Facebook is where we go to get the metaverse. Um, because look at all the people that just sort of, you know, fell into Facebook and said, well, this is where all my friends are, so I got to be there too. So um, I do think it's more than a distraction. Um, and I, I think that there's real money at, at, at play here and it, it's worrisome. Um, Facebook Re Reality Labs does a lot of different things. They um, work with hardware development, but they're, you know, they also are responsible for the portal home camera thing that Facebook released. They, they have people within Facebook Reality Labs that develop filters, uh, 
you know, sort of these AR filters that puts a, you know, a, a Fox mask over your face or what have you. And some of this stuff shows up on the social network. Some of it is going to show up within the Oculus product. Um, you know, they've got, they've got people from, um, fair their their uh, artificial intelligence uh, uh, um, division that kind of go back and forth and work with uh, Facebook reality labs AI is going to play a huge part in what we've been talking about here today which is uh, the the metaverse and the AR glasses um, that's so what they, that's what's being used to um, figure out what is being seen with computer vision and yeah. you know, picking up audio all that stuff right pattern, pattern recognition yeah yeah um computer vision and both computer vision and natural language processing are pl- going to play huge roles in, in this and you know that entails a lot of compute power which is one of the challenges they're they're working on but uh but yeah facebook reality labs is you know <laughs> it, it's I, I don't know how many people work in that part of the country company but it's thousands and thousands and thousands all over the world and it's growing quickly um and you know as we saw this week they uh are going to start reporting financial results of that part of the company separately from everything else which is another way of facebook saying this group is now our center of gravity yeah and um yeah, so it's 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 interesting to me. I mean, obviously, it could be somewhere in between, right? It doesn't have to take off like crazy, but it could be something that has some some use in in society eventually. Um, you know, um, one of the things that I thought was interesting. So, you, so in terms of advertising, um, I, I know in your article you said I asked Andrew Bosworth, who, uh, vice president and head of Facebook Reality Labs about whether Facebook intends to use highly detailed and personal data collection by AR glasses to target ads on facebook.com or within the glasses. And he said the company has not started thinking about that issue yet. Um, <laughs> right. Like, it's like, what? Like not at all. Um, so, I mean, I, I would imagine um, that, um, you know, I mean, one thing I want to talk about here um, as, as we move towards the end of the episode is, you know, this issue of, of, of class and um, not just internal to places like the United States and, and the wealthier places, but also globally. Um, so to me, let's start off with the first part of this, like, how is this going to be monetized, right? So at least, you know, for now, these things look like they're expensive, Right. State-of-the-art um, um, virtual reality when I was at Yale was like, I think like if you wanted to get a setup, it'd be like a thousand bucks because you got to get a good video card. You know, that can come down in, in price and time, but you got to get the headset. Um, I've seen price quotes on um, AR glasses being like 300 bucks, right? So first of all, yeah, you have potentially expensive devices for people, but also you have to, I mean, there's obviously that big question in the political economy. How are you going to run some of this stuff? You're either going to charge people or you're going to monetize it through ads. So one question I have to start is, um, you know, what do you, what do you see? Cause I know you did an interview with 28, um, you know, different companies about their views on the metaverse. 
Um, what do you see around the industry? Um, and what do you think about the role of uh, advertising? Um, you know, are we going to be walking around force fed, you know, ads like billboards in day to day life if we want to participate in this, you know, assuming it comes to bear? Yeah, it could be. Um, nobody really knows yet. Nobody knows what they can get away with. Um, there's a real danger of clutter in this, you know, I, you know, where brands are already talking about participating in the, in the metaverse and putting up virtual storefronts that are sort of anchored to their real storefronts or not, uh, you know, just totally virtual. Um, so, uh, and nobody really knows about advertising. I mean, you know, I, I know that they're probably thinking about anchoring different types of advertising to different parts of the world. They, you know, if there are certain physical locations in the real world that are good places to show, you know, food ads, you know, there are other places like at the airport, somebody want, might want to show you luggage ads, but the potential for this getting really cluttered up and ugly over the real world you're seeing um, is very real. And they've got to be thinking about that because what they don't want is for people to just get totally turned off and, you know, for, for, for the presentation to start looking like garbage. Um, so um, I, I think they're probably, probably thinking about these issues. I, 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 uh, I lost track of your original question. But, yeah, uh, like how are they going to make money out of this? Like right. what are, you know, and, and it's not just Facebook. Like you said, there's there's other businesses that seem to have their, um, you know, potential strategies yeah, for incorporating this. They're going to want to sell digital goods. You know, they're going to want to sell. Uh, I mean, if, if you're Facebook, you know, there could be money in enabling e-commerce um they they you know may take a cut of sales like that i mean gaming companies are selling skins for characters um you know as people get more and more used to you know living in digital space um you know the more people are going to get used to assigning value to these digital objects that are going to be for sale All right, so as we're winding down here, there's a lot of different companies and there's a global economy. So I wanna get your snapshot picture of who the big players are and what their roles are and who the smaller players are in their roles. So obviously you have uh, your Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, Google, um, but you have other companies um, like, for example, uh, Nvidia, Snapchat, Roblox, Epic Games, uh, Niantic, um, and then you then you have uh, geographies. You have uh, China, for example. Um, so, how do you see this this landscape uh, playing out right now? Well, it's it's a tough question to answer. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to look into the crystal ball. I mean, when you when we talk about it today, the the companies that are probably investing most into the technology we've talked about today are uh, probably Facebook and Apple. And um, those two companies, you know, are increasingly at, at odds. Uh, I mean, Apple talks constantly about privacy. And sometimes I wonder if they're warming us up for this increased level of trust we're going to need in the technology company that finally provides this technology, which is going to be 
so much closer to us and so much um, more capable of collecting personal information. And um, but as far as I mean, there there are people that are coming at this from a lot of different directions. You know, I mean, it's Facebook is uh, you know coming at it from the social uh, networking direction. Um, Microsoft is mainly active in enterprises, in business. Um, yeah, and their partner, I looked on their website, um, they're, they're working with Anheuser-Busch in Bev, a beer giant, right? And they're using it, um, yeah. HoloLens for that, and they do mixed reality. Yeah, I mean, people are using it for training. I mean, one of the coolest things that I've seen is like, if I'm making a project and you're manufacturing it for me in Asia, you know, I don't have to jump on a plane and go visit with you to make final tweaks. You know, like some of this stuff we can do in AR. And that's like, I like writing about that stuff because that's real, that's kind of solid to me. That's a real use case. And, um, but then others like Niantic and Epic Games are coming at it from a, and Roblox are coming from it, coming at it from a gaming perspective, you know, but as we know, gaming isn't just gaming. Gaming is community, too. So it really depends, um, you know, and there's probably companies that I haven't even heard of yet that uh, have good ideas for this. I mean, there might be one of these, like Decentraland, you mentioned, you know, they it, it might happen that we all get swept away and we, we all decide that the blockchain is is the best way uh, the best platform on which to uh, develop new technologies so that that might gain steam so it's it's really hard to say who the players would be in in terms of uh geography um you know i i have no idea what alibaba is doing in this space i imagine that they're doing some kind of development um but uh, I, I do see given you know the politics or the geopolitics here this could be another example of there being these two worlds where china uses one technology for their people and the rest of the world uses some different flavor yeah i mean do you think that some of the impetus towards developing this stuff is a kind of yeah but if we don't if we don't if we let the other companies roll with this if it does catch on then we'll be left out in the cold right oh i think there's yeah i mean the tech industry runs on greed and fear. Uh, so that's always happening. Yeah. And, um, you know, just one more on um, economies of scale. So um, so one of the things that uh, a thread that runs through my pockets in my personal work is digital colonialism, where you have this unequal division of labor and exchange and the rich countries are doing the high level economic stuff and the poor countries are in a hole they can't climb out of. So they keep doing stuff like mining and you know, content moderation and, you know, more menial things and the deep, the, you know, the, the richer countries with the deeper pockets, they provide the core stuff that everybody relies upon. So you're always paying them. You're paying them for their cloud services to use their operating systems and things like that. Um, it seems to me that there's quite a steep economies of scale here. So um, if I'm going to, um, there was an article about, um you know, all these hours of, of uh, video that is being used to, um, you know, train the AI and, and things like that. Obviously, you have a lot of skilled people who are making these things. Um, so you need skilled talent um, and skilled minds. Um, is there a particularly steep economies of scale 
involved in this, uh, especially if you're going to be providing um, the, the, the backbone infrastructure. I, are, are you asking if there is a, a, a scale where you have to get to a, a high, high volume before this starts becoming a profitable business? Not so much that as, um, let's say you wanted to develop this, right? A mom and pop startup is probably not going to be able to, um, it seems to me, uh, um, not going to be able to really compete with the with the Facebook, in part because even if you're looking in the AI world, right, there's now some of these um, models that they use that just require enormous amounts of equipment and data and things like that. Um, so does it seem like that this is something, you know, that is particularly prone to uh, a few winners in, in, a, in a high economies of scale? You know, I think so. I, I think so. Um, because, you know, at the stage we're at now, you know, you can't go out and grab a bunch of off the shelf components to slap together a, pay, a pair of AR glasses. There's this sort of foundational research that has to be done. And that's the province of rich tech companies, pretty much, um, at least in the United States. So I, I think that, you know, by the time smaller companies are, are going to be able to go out and buy those components and build their own products, I think, uh, you know, the big guys are going to have uh, a significant lead. And, um, you know, it, it, in social networking, at least, um, you know, the, the, it's very much a scale business. There are network effects that say that, you know, once Facebook has a half a billion users. Once they get so far ahead of everybody else, it's impossible to catch up with them because, you know, people keep going there because that's where their friends are. And so I don't know if the metaverse is going to be like that. I sure hope it isn't. Um, I hope there's a diversity of, of you know, services and, uh, you know, different players to provide different parts of the stack, different companies providing experiences. Um, but, uh, you know, I do see that being a factor here. I, I'm, I'm That's Facebook's whole life story is uh, growth, uh, fast growth to get to that kind of scale and not really worrying much about uh, profit until they get to that scale. You already heard them say just yesterday that they intend to continue subsidizing, uh, you know, uh, VR headsets and, um, and future AR stuff. So they're more than willing to do that in terms of, you know, uh, uh, poorer countries around the world. You saw Facebook giving away free broadband service provided that Facebook be the operating system of those users. Um, so um, they... Uh, yeah, and I mean, on that point, it, you know, it's interesting here too that it seems like there will be a digital divide here as well. That's pretty sharp, right? Like, you know, in South Africa, where I do my work, half the population lives on $3 a day or less. They're not going to have $300 or even $100 glasses on their face. It's transmitting a lot of data, right? So at best, I'm guessing, I've seen, if I'm not mistaken here, um, that there's also some ways of accessing some of this stuff just through your smartphone still. Right. So we can envision 
you know, okay, you don't have to have virtual reality goggles or something like that, but you can access this little virtual place, but only in your little, you know, smartphone that you have. Um, and I know I don't see any commentary about that that question either. You know, how are we going to be inclusive um, about this? You know, how would how could we? You know, like it doesn't even seem like a, the just the dynamics of the situation seems like it's just not possible to. Yeah, I, I think definitely in the beginning phases. I I guess I can see we uh, us getting to a point, although it's hard to imagine where the technology is mature enough to where they can you know, sell some form of headsets for $30, you know, um, eventually they'll do this because at least if it's Facebook, because, you know, they, they don't, they, they're comfortable with not thinking about profit at all and even losing money until they get people in the network. And as a function of that, they're, they're, they'll probably continue subsidizing. Yeah. All right. So any other closing thoughts on um, what's next? Well, um, in case I didn't say it, I, I, I do think that there's some reality um, to the idea that this might be the next big computing platform. We're all stuck on smartphones right now and something's got to come next. And, uh, you know, this might be it. But as we talked about earlier, there's there's a lot of legal and privacy things that need to be worked out here and it's, it's, it's going to be messy. So um, for, for my sake, anyway, there's going to be a lot to write about in the next five years or so. For sure. All right, Mark, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Again, if you want to follow Mark on Twitter, he's at the Sullivan and um, yeah, it's uh, it's been great chatting about this with you. Right on. Thanks so much for having me.